Hello, everyone. Welcome to Eternity, where love never fails. Hello, everyone. Thanks for listening. This is the Eternity Bible Study Podcast, where we walk through the Bible together every weekday, Monday through Friday. We're podcasting from here in the United States and in Zambia with a goal to share our thoughts and encourage one another as we read God's Word together verse by verse. My co-host in Zambia, Matali and I, are both listening to Through the Bible Podcast and then sharing our thoughts and encouragement with you. From America to Africa and everywhere else, God is in control. As always, our attribution goes to Through the Bible with Dr. J. Vernon McGee. So if you've ever wanted to try to read the Bible every day, we hope you can join us. We're regular people just like you, trying to learn more about God and walk in step with His Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bible, feel free to read along. And if not, no problem. We'll try to put it all together for you. So let's get started. Hello, everyone. We're back today in the book of Exodus. We'll be studying Exodus chapter 17 today as we continue our study through this wonderful book. Um, Chapter 17, the Israelites are still out there in the wilderness. They're still grumbling and they're still getting thirsty. We see a lot of applications like this today. We're all still out wandering in the wilderness, too. And we all have physical needs, and we all have thirst. And um, who do we turn to? Do we turn to the Lord, or do we turn to our own uh, selves to try to quench our thirsts? We all have different thirsts for different things. Physical health, money, success, popularity, getting our own way, politics. We all have thirsts for different things. And um, Moses tells the people, you only can quench this thirst from God. And uh, so let's jump in. Verse 1, chapter 17. All the congregation of the people of Israel moved on from the wilderness of sin by stages according to the commandment of the Lord. And they camped at Rephim, Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Therefore the people quarreled with Moses and said, Give us water to drink. And Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? So quarreling with one another, you're not really quarreling with one another. You're ultimately accusing God. When you're grumbling, you're ultimately accusing God and God's provision. We saw that in the last chapter. What are we? What are we? We're just God's servants. Moses said this is in verse 8. Your grumbling is not against us, but against the Lord. So it's a case study in what grumbling is and complaining When people are grumbling and complaining, they're really grumbling and complaining against God's provision. And then what are you looking to get your relief from? 
Are you grumbling that you don't have God's provision? Or are you grumbling in because you don't have the world's provision? What provision are you grumbling for? So, back in verse 2 again, Moses said to them, Why do you quarrel with me? Why do you test the Lord? So quarreling really is a test against God's provision, and you're really grumbling because, you know, you probably want the world's provision. You have to ask yourself, what are you grumbling for? Verse 3, But the people thirsted there for water, and the people grumbled against Moses and said, Why did you bring us out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock? with thirst so they they just forgotten everything so far that God has provided for them in God's provision verse 4 so Moses cried to the Lord what shall I do with this people in other words they don't haven't learned anything they're almost ready to stone me verse 5 and the Lord said to Moses pass on before the people taking with you some of the elders of Israel, and take in your hand the staff with which you struck the Nile, and go. Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock at Horeb, and you shall strike the rock, and water shall come out of it, and the people will drink. And the Lord says, you know what he says? He says, you know, he's going to go there before you, on the rock, behold, I will stand before you there on the rock. I will stand there. You shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it. and The people will drink. So the Lord is saying, I'm going to go before you. I'll take care of you. It will be my provision. And when you strike this rock, water is going to come out of it. And the people will drink. And you're going to have the elders take a look at this. You're going to be there. And the people are going to be there. They're going to see it. It's going to be in the sight of the elders of Israel. The rock represents Christ. We see a reference of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Paul says the rock was Jesus. They drank from the rock. John chapter 6, verse 4. The bread that we saw from heaven raining down was Christ. The rock is Christ. We get the bread of life through Christ and we get living water through Christ. So these are personifications of Christ to the people. It's foreshadowing Christ coming to save them. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. And he called the name of the place Massa and Merbiah because uh, Massa means testing, and Merbiah means quarreling. Because of the quarreling of the people of Israel, and because they tested the Lord by saying, Is the Lord among us or not? So they tested him there. They quarreled against him. Okay, so now we leave this and come to verse 8. Then Amalek came and fought with Israel at Rephidium. So now the people are there camping. They've got some water to drink. Now they've got to defend themselves. So Moses said to Joshua. Now Joshua is probably one of the few real faithful servants 
to Moses during this time out in the wilderness, and he'll eventually lead and take over from Moses as he leads the people into the promised land. So Moses says to Joshua, Choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Now Amalek was a grandson of Esau. And as McGee says, Amalek represents the flesh, the old nature that God will always be at war with. So as people get this, this God's spiritual provision, we always see somebody coming up trying to take it away. So, choose for us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hand. So it's kind of representing what they did before. The Lord says, I'll stand on the the rock and you can strike it. Now Moses is standing on the hill with the staff of God, representing God, to show that God will be with you when adversity comes to take away God's provision. So Joseph, Joseph, Josiah did as Moses told him and fought with Amalek, while Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill. Whenever Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed, and whenever he lowered his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands grew weary. It sort of says, Christ will never grow weary, but man will grow weary. But Moses' hands grew weary, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it, while Aaron and Hur held up his hands on one on one side and the other on the other side. So his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua overwhelmed Amalek and his people with the sword. The Israelites were in no fighting condition, and It was another miracle of God that they were able to defeat Amalek and his army. But God was with him. Verse 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this as a memorial in a book and recite it in the ears of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. So Amalek is going to be blotted out. And Moses built an altar and called the name of it, The Lord is my banner, saying, A hand saying, A hand upon the throne of the Lord. The Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. And this generation of Amalek, of Esau, this fleshly people, will always be at war with the Lord. But the Lord says he will blot the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Eventually, all of this people who seek their provision in the flesh, who, who don't fear God, just like Esau didn't fear God when he murdered his brother, when Cain and Abel, um, Esau, just like with Cain and Abel and just like Esau and Joseph. Um, Esau just didn't fear God. So, um, where do we get our provision from today? Do we get it from 
the Lord's provision from the Spirit, or do we get it from the flesh? And what do we grumble? Are we grumbling against God and His provision? What are you grumbling for? God's provision or the world's provision? Grumbling. Powerful, powerful lesson on grumbling. And where do we seek our provision from? So we're going to stop here. We'll turn the rest of the podcast over to our co-host, Matali. Matali, I hope you're doing great. It's just amazing that we're going through this book. So, from me to all of you, as always, God bless you. Keep your heart centered on Christ. Now I'll turn the rest of the podcast over to to Matali. Matali, can't wait to hear what you've got to say today. Take it away, Matali. Hello, so today's teaching is coming from Exodus chapter 17, beginning at verse 1 all the way through to chapter 18, verses 1 through to verse 3. So, so far in the book of Exodus, we are on the wilderness march. The children of Israel have left Egypt and are on the way to Mount Sinai. And on the way, they had seven experiences that are reminders um, for us today. So we find the you know, correlation or comparison in Christian experiences. You know, that is, these things did happen unto them as examples for us. So scripture reads verse 1 of chapter 17. Then all the congregation of Then all the congregation of the children of Israel set out on their journey from the wilderness of Zin, according to the commandments of the Lord, and camped in Rephidim. But there was no water for the people to drink. Verse 2. Therefore the people contended with Moses and said, Give us water that we may drink. So Moses said to them, Why do you contend with me? Why do you tempt the Lord? Verse 3, the people thirsted there for water. And the people complained against Moses and said, Why is it that you have brought us up out of Egypt to kill us and our children and our livestock with thirst? So, you know, the children of Israel, they were constantly complaining. And, you know, it's safe to assume that, you know, Moses was getting pretty impatient with them. Because, you know, they was just always whining and complaining. Before they crossed the Red Sea, they were complaining. You know, God delivered them from, um, uh, you know, the hosts of Pharaoh and, you know, the, the Pharaoh's army. And they crossed the Red Sea and there was some praise and worship um, just after they crossed. And then they began to complain again when they came to Mara. Um, and, and they found bitter waters. So here again, we find them complaining. Scripture reads verse 4, So Moses cried out to the Lord, saying, What shall I do with this people? They are almost ready to stone me. So today, you know, if we look at what is happening in the time of Moses, and, you know, we compare it today, we have many churches in the same spiritual condition. 
and generally they actually think they are in an excellent condition but you have these people you know these churches they're constantly complaining they're complaining about the pastor he did not greet me you know he did not uh you know bless me he just blessed these children in this particular family you know they just constantly are complaining we do find um such churches in this um spiritual condition verse 5 goes on to read and the lord said to moses go on before the people and take with you some of the elders of israel also take in your hand your rod with which you struck the river and go so here we have god's provision for them so the rod of moses was carried uh, the rod moses carried was to actually be a badge and seal of the authority and power of Moses. So God's going to provide an answer. And, you know, God, as usual, you know, he was as gracious as he could be with these people. Scripture reads, verse 6, Behold, I will stand before you there on the rock in Horeb, in Horeb, sorry, and you shall strike the rock and water shall come out of it that the people may drink. And Moses did so in the sight of the elders of Israel. So he called the name of the place Massa and Meribah because of the contentment of the children of Israel and because they tempted the Lord saying, is the Lord amongst, among us or not? So this is the first experience of the rock and the water that we actually have come, have come to. So the rock represents, um, as scripture actually states in, if we turn to 1 Corinthians, let me just turn to 1 Corinthians, chapter 10, um, I'll begin reading from verse 3 and verse 4, which reads, um, all that ate, all ate the same spiritual food. So here, um, this spiritual food was manna and manna, um, looks uh talks of christ verse 4 reads and all drank the same spiritual drink from the from for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them and that rock was christ so here corinthians the book of corinthians clearly states that you know um the rock was christ so we saw that the children of israel um you know they crossed the red sea and you know they were given manna and that was Christ and John actually also makes it clear and um the rock was Christ so all these things that happened to them um happened to them uh, happened unto them for examples unto us so the bread that they ate that i just read about in uh 1 Corinthians 10 verse 3 is and that's manner um is a picture of Christ he is the bread of life and he is also the water of life and the rock is you know, it's a beautiful picture of Christ and it actually reveals here in contrast to the unbelief of the people. So they doubted God and the rock is, you know, it's a good solid foundation. But these people were doubting God and were leaning on, you know, superficial things. They were leaning on cobwebs. They were not leaning on the rock. They were not leaning on Christ. And you know, the small cloud of doubt that they had was actually hiding the face of God from them. They couldn't see God because they had doubt. And, you know, in scripture, the psalmist actually said, that's in Psalm 78 verse 35. 
I'll just quickly turn there. Uh, Psalm 78 verse 35 reads... Then they remembered that God was their rock and the most high God, their redeemer. So here, um, you know, God was their rock and they were, was their redeemer. Psalms talks about the rock. Um, Psalm 78, 35 talks about the rock uh, being Christ. And the Lord Jesus Christ said um, in scripture, Upon the rock I will build my church and that rock is Christ. And Peter said, the stone that the builder rejected has become the headstone of the corner. So it's the chief cornerstone. And Paul says, uh, no other foundation can any man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we can fall on that stone or rock for our salvation. So from that rock, there comes spiritual blessings. And, you know, from Christ and the fullness of blessings as well. And the waters are gushing forth and um, are gushing forth the parched lips. So there is no stopping Christ. The rock is smitten once. And, um, you know, Christ was smitten and died for us on the cross. And, you know, there is a flowing and abundance of water. So the rock and the water speak of Christ Verse 8 goes on to read. And now Amalek came and fought with Israel in Rephidim. Verse 9. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us some man and go out. Fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. Verse 10. So Joshua did as Moses said and said to him and fought with Amalek and Moses and Aaron and her went up to the top of the hill. So here now we have another incident. Um, so here, you know, this is one of the experiences that they had. And, you know, we have here in this chapter and um, it's actually an experience with Amalek and, you know, um, and he was from the Amalites and the Amalites represent the flesh. So Amalek is the grandson of Esau, and that's the flesh. You know, when we go back to the book of Genesis, when we read about uh, Jacob and Esau. So Esau represents the flesh. So the Amalites became an enemy of the children of Israel throughout. Never once were they friends, and you find here that you can't overcome the flesh by your own efforts. That's the teaching here. So here, for the first time, the children of Israel now engage in a warfare. So there is a conflict that goes on. Uh, you know, the flesh worth with the spirit and the spirit worth with the flesh. So Moses, Aaron and her went up to the top of the mountain. Verse 11 of scripture reads, And so it was when Moses held up his hand that Israel prevailed. And when he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. Verse 12, but Moses' hands became heavy, so they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. So the battle was fought on top of a mountain. So it was actually fought by prayer and won by, Mo by Moses. It wasn't won by the fighting of 
these people, the children of Israel, as you know, they were actually not, you know, adapted to warfare yet. They were inexperienced soldiers. And um, here, you know, um, Joshua is actually um, uh, picked. Uh, he's actually being prepared. He's the one who's going to take over from Moses. So the Holy Spirit is the only one that can actually give us a victory over the flesh. So when we walk in the Spirit, only then do we have victory over the flesh. And that's Amalek. So this, this war was actually fought, um, you know, um, by prayer. So only the Spirit of God can overcome the flesh. Verse 13 goes on to read, So Joshua defeated Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Verse 14, Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this for a memorial in the book, of, in the book and recount it in the hearing of Joshua, that I will utterly blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So here, Joshua, here, like I said earlier on, he is the man that will actually succeed Moses. And already we see that he's actually being prepared for that position. So God will get rid of the flesh. God would get rid of Amalek. So if God took out today the church from the world um, into heaven, as it is, and, you know, they were not changed, and they are to be transformed. Uh, they are to have the same thing that actually happened to the Lord at the Mount of Transfiguration. Um, it's um, this, 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 actually, that does take place at the Mount of Transfiguration, and the church is actually taken to heaven, as it is right now, um, without, um, you know, changing that old nature. It actually wouldn't have... Um, it actually wouldn't be heaven because it would actually just be as it is right now here on earth right now in this disaster that we're living in. Um, it will, as would actually totally wreck heaven, we would wreck the place with our old nature because that's just how we are. So God will get rid of the old nature. He will totally block out Amalek. He's going to get rid of the old nature before we get, before he takes his church out. Um of this world into heaven. He will give us a new nature. My old nature. I can't go to heaven. I have nothing to offer. So I am totally dependent on God. And it's through his son. And um, it's through his son that I am actually saved. Through the, um, the rock that was smitten. That I am actually saved. Verse 15 goes on to read. And Moses built an altar and called its name. The Lord is my banner. Verse uh, 16 reads for he said because the lord has sworn the lord will have war with amalek from generation to generation so there are three important things here to actually take note first god mentions that he will um ultimately get rid of amalek so god will get rid of the old nature he will get rid of our old nature before we are actually taken to heaven the second thing is god will never compromise with our old nature that we actually have. He will never say, oh, no, because you're a good boy, because you've done good today, you've done good this month, then, you know, maybe, maybe I can just give you a chance. God won't do that. God won't take us as we are. Um, he will make us totally anew. And then the third thing is this uh, constant conflict 
will actually go on as long as we are in this body, in this life. So the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit. And these are contrary. And here was this battle with Amalek. And it actually represents the flesh. So now we get to chapter 18. And in this chapter, we have the last experience. Uh, we have Moses turning to worldly wisdom rather than to revelation. So God has been actually leading Moses by revelation directly. And now... Moses will listen to his father-in-law who will actually come visit him. So let me just read verse 1 of chapter 18 reads, And Jethro, the priest of Midian, Moses' father-in-law, heard of all that God had done for Moses and for Israel, his people, that the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Then Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, took Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back with her two sons, of whom the name of one was Gershom, for he said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land. So Moses has now come into the land of Midian with the children of Israel, and they are now going uh, by Mount Sinai. And now the father-in-law of Moses brings his wife to him. So Zipporah at some point, um, you know, she had left Midian when uh, Moses was called by God to go um, to the land of Egypt. So at some point, um, you know, and that's when he went and that's the part where Zipporah called Moses a bloody husband. Um, so at some point she had gone back. She had turned back. It must have been like, you know, right when they reached Egypt or just after, you know, um, there was all the, 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 the commotion that started. First, there was the plagues and all. Then um, she had, he had sent her back to her father. And, you know, when they went down to Egypt, he actually sent her back. And she wasn't down um, in Egypt for the exodus that actually took place out of the land of Egypt. And now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, brings Zipporah back to Moses. Okay, so this is where we're going to end our teaching for today. And we're going to continue tomorrow and find out, like, you know, what worldly wisdom uh, Moses got from his father-in-law, Jethro. So this is our teaching for today. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a good um, correlation between what was happening because what happened during this wilderness march was, you know, set as an example unto us today. So we can actually relate with so many things um, today with the church today and with what's going on today in our spiritual lives. So thank you all for listening in. Um, I hope you enjoyed today's teaching as much as I did. Sorry for the barking noise behind. I have a puppy and he's cute. He's only three months and he barks a lot. So thank you all for listening in. God bless you all and have a pleasant Monday. Bye-bye.